prayer, the song of Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out all my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Let me hear, no, excuse me, <laughs> indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my lips will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Before I begin this meditation, I just want to thank each of you for all that it took for you to be here, for all of it took for all of our choristers to be here after a full day at school. Uh, and to share in this service that we call Ash Wednesday. We had a service at 6 o'clock designed and targeted to children and their families. And as I was preparing for this moment, this meditation, I thought I ought to write a homily or a meditation that was different than the one that I said to the children at 6 o'clock. And this was mostly out of a concern for the kids 
whom I thought might not so easily receive such a grown-up message about the inevitability of our death or the pervasiveness of our sin. But then I thought, first, is that message the essence of this service? And second, I wondered whether it was not the kids I ought to protect from the adult message, but perhaps you, we, the adults, or growing kids, uh, who might benefit from the message intended for the children of God. So I decided as much as at least the beginning of this meditation is concerned that I'm going to give you the children's message slightly adapted. And then we'll see, perhaps I will have some bonus grown-up material at the end. So I began the children's sermon of Ash Wednesday showing them this sign. Pardon our dust. And I asked them if they knew of this sign or where they might see it, and I thought, well, maybe actually this isn't a very childlike uh, sermon illustration, but I presume you do know that we see these signs, these pardon our dust signs, when things are messy, when things are dirty, when things are being broken down, torn up, redone, and at least for the time being are not how the way things are supposed to be. The sign also signals, though, pardon our dust, that things are going to get better, that something new is going to rise up from this ashy mess, this dusty place, maybe a new building, maybe a new room, a renovated home, a new park or garden. And all of that mess, all of that disruption and dislocation is going to be worth it because it's going to be better. And what is coming is going to last, unlike the temporary, temporary mess in which we find ourselves. I told the kids that pardon our dust might be a great sign for this service. Because we are asking God to do what God does, which is to say, pardon our dust. To be patient with the messes that we are making. And we do make messes, don't we? And also to make us into something new, something wonderful that will last beyond this temporary dysfunction. Later in the service, as I told the kids, and I'll say to you, you will be invited to come forward and receive ashes from Larry and me. And we're going to make the sign of the cross like this and say, from dust you have come, and to dust you shall return. I asked the kids, what does that mean? I told them it's really just saying and speaking the truth about ourselves and what we believe about God. That we are made of earth and dust and water too. And by themselves, these things are kind of mushy and messy. And they are in some ways in the fashion that we are made temporary. But with God breathing in them, this dust and this water becomes life. It becomes alive. And this is what God does with us, our dust. And this is what God does with our lives. 
So when we say to you, from dust you have come, and to dust you shall return, we are not giving you a warning. We're giving you a promise. You are God's construction project. You are made of the dust of the earth that God has turned into life. And God is going to turn that dust into life for us now while we are living. And God will do that to our dust when our time on earth has come to an end. We are here tonight to remember that we are like becoming new buildings, new structures filled with life that God is making out of the dust. And inside those buildings and structures, God wants joy and gladness. And this is the song of the psalmist. He knew the mess he was making. He asked God, pardon my dust. Restore me to joy and gladness. The psalmist was afraid of his death. So he asked God to sustain him and sustain in him a willing and generous spirit. We had some fun at 6 o'clock talking about the sustain pedal on the piano. For you musicians out there, what does the sustain pedal do? It holds the note. It makes the music sound grand and expansive. It's like singing in the shower. It just sounds better. The singer of this psalm wanted God to sustain life's music in him. That's what God does in Jesus. God became human. God became like water and dust and lived in our messy world. And when that messy world tore him down, God raised him up so that we too may be raised from our messes and the messes of our world. So when we make the sign of the cross on your foreheads tonight, and when we say from dust you have come and to dust you shall return, it's our way of praying, O oh God, pardon our dust. Create in me and in us a clean heart and put a new and right spirit in us. Restore to us the joy of our salvation and sustain in us a willing, generous spirit. Children of God, you are God's construction project. And God, who is the master builder, will pardon our dust and turn our messes into so much more. At this point, at six o'clock, I said amen. And I could say amen now. But I'm going to give you just a little bit more. In a book I recently finished called Essentialism, author Greg McEwen takes, or tells the story of a high school journalism teacher who began the first class of the semester by emphasizing the importance of the lead, the lead of the story, the who, the what, the where, the when, and the why that distills the essence of the story. And as a case study, the teacher gave um, the students the facts of a, a future article and said, uh, here are the facts. Mr. Such-and-Such -such principal of Such-and-Such -such High School announced today that the entire faculty will travel to Such-and-Such -such City on Such-and-Such -such date for training and development. And at that event, there will be speakers, including Such-and-Such -such scholar and Such-and-Such -such government officials. 
with that information, the teacher asked the students to generate the lead, and they each turned in something that summarized the facts of the story, the who, what, where, why, when, and how. Important figures to address the faculty next week, or next week the entire faculty will be away. He took the leads they had given, he set them in the rubbish, and he said, you've got this all wrong, you've missed the lead. The lead to the story was simply, no school on Thursday. For the students, as you can relate, that was the essence of the story. If we were to say tonight that the lead for Ash Wednesday is that we are sinners who will certainly die, we will have the facts correct. But we will have lost sight of the right headline, the essence of the story. Yes, we are tonight confronted with our finitude and our fragility, which is very much tied, as we believe in the, in the church, tied to our sin and our brokenness. But our confrontation with these facts and these beliefs is not the essence or the lead of the story. It's the means by which we encounter the deeper reality that in Christ, we shall become more than fragility. We shall become more than finitude, more than sin. Recently, a member of this church shared with me what a survivor of the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center said as she was recalibrating her life in light of this near-death experience. As one who descended the stairs of the tower so as to avoid falling with it, she said of her post-9-11 life, quote, I am going to do something bigger than me. I am going to do something bigger than me. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. In his teaching and in her recalibration of her life, we find that when we encounter our finitude, when we encounter our fragility in Christ's power, in God's love, we are led to live bigger than those things. The single grain bears much fruit. The single solitary life generates a lifetime of blessing. Friends, we are God's construction project. We are God's dwelling places. And as messy as we are and as messy as we are to become by the power of God at work in us, we are being made new. We are being renovated. We are made more than ourselves. So as we receive the sign of the cross on our forehead, these vertical and horizontal movements become for us the right headlines. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? So as the Jesus of Holy Week would tell his disciples before he left them, I say also to you, 
Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. In Lent, we encounter not just our small selves in this big world, but our Savior, who does not give to us as the world gives. Peace he shall leave with you, his peace he shall give to you. We are the children of God, and God is the master builder who pardons our dust. Amen.